want to grab your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter 15. We're going to be looking at verses 25 through 28. As I said before, the title of this message is Prayer, Faith, and Miracles. Prayer, Faith, and Miracles. Let's see. Oh, I'm on, oh, I'm on the wrong, I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to start with page 8. Um, actually, Luke 5, 16 through 26. Luke 5, 16 through 26, uh, the Bible says, So he himself, talking about Jesus, often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. And it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Have you already heard that this morning? Right? Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling in the midst before Jesus. Now you have to remember the houses back then, they, they, they were flat, okay? And so they just, and they weren't like two-story, three-story houses like we have today. It was just a one-story house. They got on the house, and many of them were made out of mud or uh, uh, a straw, and then they had tile, and they would just dig through it, and that's what they did. So when he saw their faith, let's see, yeah, when he saw their faith, he said to them, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed. And they all, I, I know it's not in there, but context, and they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. So in this passage, a lame man was healed in front of a multitude of people. And as we read through the passage, we'll find that a number of themes come together in the manifestation of this man's healing. What I want to do today is I want to look at them and see if we can learn something from this man's encounter with God. All right, so first thing, we're going to back up a little bit. And what we need to realize is that before this took place, we have a description of the Lord Jesus praying. So the first thing we want to look at is the Lord Jesus prayed. In Luke 5, 16, it says, uh, so he often, actually that's in our text, so he, off, so he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Now what's of note is that in this passage, it begins by telling us that Jesus often withdrew into the wilderness to pray. Now, I don't myself believe that things are revealed to us in Scripture just by happenstance. I believe the Lord knew exactly what He wanted, and He wrote it down on purpose. And this being told to us says to me that somehow the miraculous was tied together with the prayers of the Lord. Where there was prayer, there was a manifestation of the miraculous. 
In other words, I believe the Lord is trying to link together, and what he's trying to tell us is that like the Lord, and I'm going to apply that to us, I believe as we pray, the power of God also becomes prevalent, manifests in a more, in a greater way. Let's just say that. They say Luke 11, 1 through 4, it says, It came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And so he said to them, when you pray. I think today, if we were writing this today, and we were writing it, we might say, if you pray. But the Lord said, when you pray. So, you know, um, if you were going to uh, talk to your uh, 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 children, let's just say you have some younger children, and you go to them and you say, hey, if you clean your room, how many of you know that they're going to pick up on that word if? Well, why didn't you clean your room? Because you said if. You didn't mean for me to clean my room, because if you wanted me to clean my room, you would have said when. Kids are pretty smart. Adults, we're smart. We just don't always recognize sometimes that the Lord is speaking to us because we are his sheep, we are his children. And so Jesus said, when you pray. So what does that say to us? That prayer should be a regular part of our life, right? And he said, when you pray, pray this way, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, this is a model prayer. So some people pray this as a prayer when they sit down and they get on their knees. They pray this prayer, and that's fine. There's no problem with that. However, it's more than just a prayer, a recitation that you say. It's actually a model of what Jesus is wanting us to, to teach us about what should be taking place when we pray. In this model prayer, Jesus taught us to pray basically that the realities of heaven would become manifest in our lives in the place where we live in this planet. When you walk into that, that uh, ante room out there, the first thing that you'll see on the wall is on earth as it is in heaven. Now, that's more than just a nice motto. It's actually part of the Lord's Prayer and what God wants us to seek Him for, that the realities of heaven would become manifest in our life. So what does that tell us? That sometimes the way things are functioning in our life is not the way things are supposed to be. And there are things in the heavenly realm that God wants to bring into manifestation here. For instance, in the heavenly realm, there is no sickness, there is no disease, there is no poverty. But when we look around, we see all of that. Does that mean that God's okay with that? No. What does He want us to do? He wants us to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So he wants to do something about it. And so this is how Jesus himself lived his life. He kept his eyes on what the will of his father was, and then he sought to bring into manifestation what he saw his father doing, what he heard his father saying, is how it says it in scripture. And the way that he went to, uh, uh, to, to, to bring this into manifestation in his life is he began by praying. He found out the will of his father, and then he prayed, but he did more than just pray. Then he began to walk it out. So we need to be a people of prayer, 
but we also need to be a people of faith, and faith without works is dead. John 5, 19, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father doing. Now, the Lord is spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So how do you see what the Father is doing? Well, the Lord can, you, you basically, another word we can use is you perceive. Some people do have the ability to be able to see into the spiritual realm. I don't. But there are people that can see angels and they can see stuff like that. And, you know, we kind of like, woo, you know, whatever the case may be. But it's true. It's a reality. Some people can do that. In the Bible, Elisha could do that. He could see into the spiritual realm. Ezekiel saw into the spiritual realm. There, Daniel saw into the spiritual realm. So you, there are people that can do that. I haven't been gifted so much in that way, so I'm more perceived. I hear. And oftentimes when God speaks to me, he doesn't always use an audible voice. Sometimes he gives me a picture. Sometimes it's a perception. Sometimes it's a thought. Sometimes it's, a, it's, a, it's an unction. But the Lord is speaking to me. And so what, I, what Jesus is saying is uh, the son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father doing. And the next scripture is John 12, 49. He said, I speak what I hear my father saying. But basically what I'm trying to get you to realize is that Jesus is focusing his eyes on what the will of God is and not living just functioning the way things are normally functioning, but living with the idea that God put me on this earth to bring heaven into this place, into this climate, and what happens when heaven shows up? Things get better. When you live according to God's purposes and God's regulations and the way God ordained life to be lived, things get better if we know them and we do them. Now, I will say, just a little caveat here, is that when I say things get better, I'm saying in the long run. Have y'all ever started to, from a very sedentary position, start trying to exercise? And you can say, I can tell you that for a couple of weeks, things did not get better. Things got worse. But if you maintain and continue to do what you knew what was right to do over a period of months, you would find that your life got better. I remember uh, I used to be pretty extremely overweight, and I came back from a missionary trip one time, and they, they had to do a surgery on gallbladder surgery, and so they took me into surgery. And then uh, when I woke up, you know, because, you know, when you're on the other end, they give you these medications. You're just like, go there and up. You know, you're good. All right. So go meet the doctor. They give me all this uh, uh, literature on sleep apnea. And I said, why are you giving me this? I don't have sleep apnea. And they said, well, you, it's very difficult for you to get you out of anesthesia. And so that can be a sign of sleep apnea. And I was like, no. I said, if I'm having a manifestation or struggling with that, it's because I'm overweight. I need to lose weight. And so after wrestling with what I was going to do, because see, in my mind, I'm still 18. Not just then, I'm still 18 in my mind, you know. I, I can do anything that I could do when I was 18, but my knee says, no, you can't. My heart says, no, you can't, right? <laughs> I'll be honest with you, that's not a battle that my mind wins over my body most of the time. So I thought to myself, what can I do that I can do for the rest of my life? 
Well, I can try to start running, but I'm extremely overweight, and I'm pretty sure my friend told me, so I had a lot of friends that did that, and they end up having knee surgeries, hip surgeries, and all that kind of stuff. And, of course, man of faith and power, you know, that ain't going to happen to me, but then, you know, I'm not stupid either. So I started thinking about it. That's probably not the wisest thing to do. And so what I started doing is I started walking every day. But still not the brightest, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 flame in the house. And so I... I still have the mind of an athlete, so I'm going to walk. So I just started walking four miles every day. You don't start walking four miles every day. I walk four miles every day, and I didn't care. I was going to do it anyway, but every night for months and months, I'd lay in bed all night long. My, my hips were hurting. My legs were hurting. It was horrible, right? But... I just kept going at it, and I said, well, that's just the price that I pay. I know in the long run it's going to be better. And over maybe four to six months, I started feeling better, and I started dropping weight, right? So I guess what I'm trying to tell you is that sometimes it will, it will always, if you do God's will, it will always work better for you, but sometimes when you first start doing it, it doesn't feel like it's going to get better. But if you will continue, it will get better. Okay, so we've got to keep our eyes on heaven, and we've got to live in such a way where we seek to bring heaven into the earthly realm, that heaven's ways would become a part of our ways. That's the way Jesus lived his life, and the way that begins is by focusing your eyes on heaven. What is the will of God for my life? You'll find it in here. You'll find it through prayer, but prayer should always, whatever you get in prayer should always agree with the principles of God's word, and then you're praying, God, this is what you want to happen in my life. Maybe you have a difficult situation financially, so my finances are terrible. I never have enough. Is that God's will for my life? You look in the word of God, and you say, no, that's not God's will for your life. And you begin to say to yourself, what do I got to do? Well, God, this isn't your will. Here's what your will is. And you begin to pray the will of God. Give and it shall be given unto you. Press down, shaking together, running over. If you bring the tithes into the storehouse, you know, I'll open the windows of heaven. And you begin to pray those things. And then here's where it gets difficult when you say, well, you can't expect the latter without the former. Oh, wait a minute. I want it to be given unto me. But can we get rid of that little word give in there first? It's painful to start doing what God says, but particularly when you're in a position where you want the latter, but you can't get a crop if you don't sow seed. Right? So you got to begin to uh, believe the word of God, do what's difficult to do in the beginning, and over the long haul, you will begin to see that you'll begin to harvest a different crop. Okay? But how does it begin? It begins with knowing God's will and then praying God's will to manifest in your life. And that's what Jesus would do. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed, we are called, it says in the book of Matthew 21, 13, Jesus said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. So it's not if you pray, it's when you pray. Okay, so the second point we're going to look at this morning is the power of God was present. So Jesus prayed. And then the power of God was present, Luke 5, 16 and 17. So it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jer Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. So the next thing this passage reveals to us is that because of the prayer of the Lord, I believe the power of the Lord was, for lack of a better term, activated, and thus the power of the Lord was present to heal. We see this principle illustrated when Jesus was in the wilderness. He was led of the Spirit into the wilderness. And by the way, the power of God in your life 
tends to manifest greater when you obey God. When you do His will. When you do His will, you begin to see that you find a, a greater manifestation of God's presence in your life. What is prayer? It's the will of God. The more you pray, the more you'll see the will of God manifest in your life. But praying must be accompanied by obedience. And here's the thing. See, in the modern church, we tend to think we have this mentality that, well, if it's God, it's always going to be easy. No. That's not how you determine whether something is God or not. You determine whether something is God or not by whether it's in agreement with the Word of God, not by whether it's easy or not, because sometimes God leads you to do things that you have no ability to do. And in this particular passage, Jesus wasn't led to Lake Tahoe. He wasn't led to burn Switzerland. He wasn't led to the paradise of the east. He was led to the wilderness. And not only that, when he got to the wilderness, there was no food and there was no room service. And the Bible says he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And what did he do those days? He fasted and prayed. Luke 4, 1 through 2. Then Jesus, being filled with the Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. So what's interesting to me is that he went into the wilderness filled with the Spirit, but after the season of testing, prayer, and fasting, he came out in the power of the Spirit. Luke 4.14, then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went throughout all the surrounding region. Now sometimes uh, the Bible does say, you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. But sometimes what we don't realize is that even though we've been connected to the power, the power manifests greater when we follow God in obedience and seek God's will in our lives. So anyway, in Luke 4, 17 through 21, the Bible says he came out in the power of the Spirit. Jesus gets up and preaches a message. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the acceptable year of God's favor. Now, while the people of Nazareth did not believe and thus draw from the power of God which was on him and which he carried, there were many others who did. In Luke 4.40 it says, When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them. And the context is, he healed them all. doesn't say all. But the context is, he healed them all. So as he prayed, he manifested the power of God in his ministry. And, I don't know if you know this, Jesus also expected and expects that we too, his church, will manifest the power of God as he did. In John 14 and 12, Jesus said to his disciples, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do will he do also, and greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. Matthew 10 and 1, he told the apostles when he had called his 12 disciples to him, and this was before they were apostles. 
The Bible doesn't say he called his 12 apostles. It says he called his 12 disciples. And you might say, well, I'm not an apostle. And I'll ask you, are you a disciple? And what did he give to them? He said he gave to them uh, uh, power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. In Mark 16, 17 through 18, it says, These signs will follow those who believe. Because you might say to yourself, well, I'm not an apostle and I'm not a, disi a disciple. Are you a believer? If you're not a believer, we're about to give an altar call at the end and you can become one. But if you're a follower of Christ, your first identity should be a believer. And you know what a believer is? You believe what God's Word says. And these signs will follow those who believe, not those who attend church. Not those who are uh, uh, givers. It says those who believe. Those who believe what? Those who believe that these things will follow you. If you don't believe these things will follow you, there is a correlation between believing and happening. If you don't believe these things are, are for today, then they're probably not going to manifest in your life. If you believe they are for today, then you might see that it will begin to manifest in your life and through your life. If you're in this church and you're seeing people get saved, healed, delivered, and set free, but you don't believe that's for today, then more than likely you're not going to stay here for very long. But if you begin to see people save, heal, deliver, and set free, then you might say to yourself, well, wait a minute. There's a, there's a short circuit in what I believe and what the Bible says. I'm going to have to reattach that line and make sure I'm getting power because I tend to see that God's Word is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I didn't come in as a believer, but I'm a believer now. What signs will follow those who believe? He gave them power. Uh, uh, they will speak. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will mo by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, don't we, we're not one of those churches that pass around snakes. We don't do that. The context here is that if you're going on the mission field, and, and like Paul, who got bit by a snake, he shook the snake off, and it had no effect on him. There's a guy by the name of John G. Lake who got, an, uh, he got a revelation of the power of God that was in him. The Bible says, greater is he that lives in us than he that lives in the world. It says in Romans chapter 8, it says, if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead uh, uh, will also give life to your mortal body, for that spirit dwells in you. Now, there is a correlation between uh, revelation and belief. He had, a, he had a belief that the God in him was greater than anything in this world. Now, what's the opposite of faith? Fear. Fear. And one of the things he, he came to the conclusion is, is that when you have faith in what God has said, because you're walking in faith, it actually closes your pores off, whether they're spiritual or real uh, uh, or, or natural, closes your pores off to the things that we're trying to get in. Right? But what happens when you walk in fear it's like you open yourself up to every attack of germs and all that kind of stuff. All right? And so one of the things that he did, he went to South Africa. Are you okay if I tell you the story? Yeah. If you're not, I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> but it worked better if you're in agreement with me. Okay. So anyway, he goes to South Africa, and there's this incredible plague that breaks out in South Africa. Any, any can remind you of anything? 
So everybody's dying. I'm not sure if it was the, the, the bubonic, I'm not sure what, but everybody's dying, 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 dying. And uh, so they couldn't even bury the bodies because you couldn't get close to the bodies because people were dying. And, and the, he saw that they needed help. He and a friend of his had a revelation of God and what God was in their life. And so they just started burying the bodies. And they came to him and they said, what secret do you have? What, what's going on? And he said, well, it's no secret. It's the power of God in our lives. And he said, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, well, let's do an experiment. He said, go, you got one of them microscopes? He said, yeah, get a microscope. He said, go get some of that spume from somebody's uh, mouth, that, that, the bubonic plague or whatever plague they have. Go get some of that. And what I want you to do is I want you to, uh, I want you to take my hand. I want you to put my hand on the microscope. And he said, and then uh, what I'm going to begin to do um, is, said, uh, uh, is that I'm going to begin to pray and believe God and, and just, uh, just begin to exalt the Lord. And then I want you to put that stuff in my hand, and I want you to have a good record of what's going on here. And so they did that. They took the germ, and they put it into his hand, and what began to happen is it began to disintegrate. Why? Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Now, listen, I'm not saying that we're there. To be honest with you, I don't know that I'm there. I can guarantee you I'm not there yet. Because I still sometimes, hey, so-and-so's in the hospital. I'm like, I don't want to go to the hospital. <laughs> I used to go to the hospital all the time, right? But what happened a couple of years ago? COVID came out of years. And what was the strength behind COVID? I want to tell you something. It wasn't the virus. It was fear. It was fear, Right? And so what happens is that fear is still lingering. It's still there. Oh, and they still, I saw something this morning. You need to get vaccinated for a virus that's 20 times worse than what came. They're just trying to promote fear. But we're not a people of fear. We're a people of faith. Well, I'm not there yet. Well, what we need to do is we need to get in the presence of God and get there. Because God hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm not trying to tell you to do stuff that you don't have faith for. What I'm saying is that you can grow in your walk with God. And as you grow in your walk with God and who He is, He can begin to give you a revelation of who exactly He is and what He can do. And when He does that, your faith begins to rise and you can walk different than what you're walking today. I want to give you just an encouragement to keep seeking after God. Because you don't know what God has in store for us, right? So anyway, Acts 1 and 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So we've been given these commands, and we've been given the power of the Holy Spirit. It's been made available to us. Why have we not seen the same results as the first century church did? Could it be that we have not prioritized prayer as they did? And could it be also if we're praying that we have a disconnect between what it means to pray and to walk in faith? Could it be that we've simply also just refused to believe? The third uh, point I want to bring out is the men in our text acted in faith. What men? The man that was in the cot and the men that were carrying him. They acted in faith. Behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling in the midst before Jesus. When he saw their faith, not when he saw the need, not when he saw the bed, not when he saw the mess, when he saw their faith. He said to them, man, your sins are forgiven you. See, the power of the Lord was present to heal. The Bible tells us that. Luke 
recognized that, wrote it down. He wanted us to be aware of the fact. It doesn't say that it was there present to heal just this man. Sometimes that's how we read it. No, it says the power of the Lord was present to heal. Reminds me of a story uh, a couple of years ago. It's funny, you get older, you start remembering stories. Maybe that's how older minds process information is through stories. I don't know. But I remember this guy, there was, a, there was an interview that was called out for people that could work a telegraph, you know. And telegraphs worked with dots and dashes. I think that's how they worked at that particular time. So people would come in to the room and they'd fill out. And there was just all these people sitting in the room. And a lot of people coming in, a lot of people waiting for interviews, all that kind of stuff. One guy comes in later in the day, sees the room full. He goes ahead and fills out his paperwork, uh, sits down. And while he's sitting down, all of a sudden everybody's looking at You know, you always look at the new guy in the room, you know. Everybody's looking at him. And all of a sudden he gets up. He walks past the crowd into the back room comes out with the guy, and he says, y'all can all go home now. We've got the person that we hired. Well, what, what was it? Well, the whole time that they were sitting in the room, there was a dee, 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 dee. It was there for everybody, but only one person heard the message that he was going to have to do, and when he heard the message, he went into the back, and he got the job. The power of God is present for everyone. Do we have eyes to see? Do we have ears to hear? Do we recognize what God is doing in our midst? It wasn't there for just this one man, yet we find, unfortunately, good for the man, but maybe not so good for everybody else, but we can learn from this. We find that it was just this man who was healed. Why? I believe the passage reveals to us it was because he was the one, along with his compadres, his carnales, who demonstrated faith. Faith is much more than just knowing about God and believing that God can. It's a belief that God can and will do it for us that in turn moves us to act. Romans 1.16, I already quoted this to you. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God to the salvation for everyone. Let's stop there. It's for everyone. And everybody can say, have we, have we in any way uh, uh, given you something from the Bible that is not true? No. However, you have to read the next part. It's for everyone. But who gets to appropriate it? Who believes? Whoever believes God. People say, well, Jesus died for everybody, and we have to agree with him. He did die for everybody. But that doesn't mean everybody's going to heaven. Who is the person that will accept Christ and go to heaven? It's the one who believes. What does it mean to believe? Well, I went to church. That doesn't mean to believe. Well, I, I was married to somebody who went to church. That is not the same as believing. Well, I went to Sunday school as a kid, but that's not the same as believing. What does it mean to believe? It means to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, he that would come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow after me. I don't know if you know this, but one day we're all going to stand in the presence of God. Depending on who you listen to, some people believe it's going to be today. Some people will tell you it's definitely going to be before Trump gets in office. 
Other people will tell you it's going to be at the end of the year. Some people will tell you, well, you know, it could be any moment, but it might be another 100 years. It might be 200 years. It might be 500 years. We don't know. What we do know is Jesus is coming back. And when we die, and we're all going to die unless Jesus comes back and lifts us up, but we're all going to stand before the presence of God. And Jesus does not want anyone to go to a place he prepared for the devil and his minions. For God so loved the world, for God so loved you and I, that he said to himself, over my dead body will I let them go to hell. We're all going to stand before Jesus one day. And then we're going to try to use the same arguments that we do right now. Well, I was better than them. I went to church sometimes if I wasn't too tired, if I hadn't stayed up all night playing video games, if it wasn't below 68 degrees, if I looked outside and it wasn't too foggy, if they had the donuts that I like, then I went to church. And none of that's going to work. Well, I didn't have anything to wear. None of that is going to work. Because it really has to do with, what did you do with my son Jesus? Well, I believe in Jesus. Did you live for him? Well, I, I didn't know I had to live for him. Well, I'm telling you right now so that you will not be confused and you will not be ignorant on that day that you must know and live for him. Jesus is not a way. He is the way. I am the way, the truth, the life. And the Bible says, no man cometh to the Father except through me. And so when we stand before the Lord, it's, uh, I know Jesus, but the real question is, does he know you? Many will say to me on that day, and he will say to them, I never knew you. And you say, well, pastor, you're, you're preaching about hell. We need to know about hell. There is a little hell. Jesus doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He died so that all could be saved. But you must believe. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But you can't be like, well, I called on him, but I'm not changing anything to do in my life. I question whether you did call on him and had an experience in a relationship with him if you called on him and you live exactly the same as after you did. Well, I called on him, but I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Well, I don't think you know him. Because he's not saying that. If you love him, you'll keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. It's basically love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Don't do anything that would cause harm to God or your neighbor. Bottom line. Let me see if I can get back. I want to encourage you today that don't believe the lie that, well, I get saved somewhere down the road or I really dedicate myself somewhere down the road because we're not promised tomorrow. I pray that every one of us will live a full, complete life. We have people in the hospital right now that probably thought the same had another five years, ten years, thirty years, and we're believing that they're going to come out of the hospital and they're going to be well. But the reality is, you never know. People drop heart attacks. Now, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to be real with you. 
We think, you know, Pilar is here today, but Pilar was going home from church one day, and boom, she got hit by a car going 100 miles an hour on the side of the road, and she spent years, basically, almost a couple of years now getting hold. Never thought that would happen. It did. She was given God's grace. She knew where she was. She knew where she was right with God, and God helped her through the midst of that. But what if somebody left her church today, and they weren't right with God? They said, well, I'll do it next week, or I'll do it tomorrow, or I'll do it the next day, and the same thing happened to you, and you didn't have the grace to be able to get right with God. That grace is here this morning. The presence of God is here this morning. The hope of God is here this morning. In fact, let's, I'm, gonna, I'm not finished yet, but I feel impressed to do that. If you're not right with God, you know you're sitting in here and there's a conviction coming on you right now. Or maybe it's somebody that's listening up there in the cameras and you're listening. I just feel a conviction right now from the Lord. And He is convincing you and He's telling you, please don't leave here without getting right. Without, without coming to me and letting me make you right and, and restore you unto the Lord. Jesus said, whoever calls on him will be saved. If you're here today, and it doesn't matter. I, I know we're not finished with the program yet, but it doesn't matter. Your soul is what matters. The Lord is moving today. If you're here today and you say, I, I'm not where I need to be with God. You could be, I've never given my life to the Lord. Or, I played like I gave my life to the Lord, but haven't been living for God. Or, I have been, but I haven't been living for God in the recent days or recent weeks or recent years. I'm just not right with God. I know that, but I've been kidding myself and lying to myself. But I'm, 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 I have this, this thing inside of me that says, i got to get right with God. If you're here today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, and you say, that's me, Pastor. I'm not, I'm not, it's just for a moment, but I, I, I'm, I'm, that's me, Pastor. I'm not right with God. I want to get right with God. I want to know when I leave here today that if something were to happen to me, I'd be right in the presence of the Lord. Because to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. If you're here today and you're not right, with every head bowed, every eye closed, you do me a favor, raise your hand. I want to pray for you. I know it. I see that hand. Somebody else, raise your hand. Somebody else here today, you say, I ain't right. I'm not living right. I know I'm not living right. I need to get right with God. I just felt a, an urgency to do that right now. I don't usually do this, but I felt an urgency to do that. Is there anybody else? We'll give just for a moment. Okay. All right. So you hold. We know there's one person over here raised their hand. It might be that as I finish this out, somebody else will say, no, I need to do that as well. All right. So anyway, the word of God is power. The power is released through faith. Without faith, much, if not most, of what God wants to do in us and for us will lie unused and unappropriated. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hebrews says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he comes to for he who comes to God must believe that God is. Another says that God exists. Another translation says that God is real. And that he is a rewarder of those who believe that he's real and that believe that life is contingent upon how you react and how you live for him. That he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. In the book of James, he says to us, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Faith without works is dead. By grace, for those of y'all that say, well, I don't have any faith. If you got saved, you have faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. If you don't have faith, you can't be saved. 
but God gives us a measure of faith, and it's, it's using our faith to receive the promises of God in our life and saying, I believe and I want to receive. That's faith. In our text, the man received forgiveness and eventually his miraculous healing through faith. What did that faith look like? It moved him past the obstacles to the feet of Jesus. Oh, I can't get saved. Why? If I get saved, I'll lose my, I'll lose my uh, what do you call that? Um, disability. I'll lose my disability if I get saved. No, I can't get saved, right? Because if Jesus heals me, I'll lose my disability. I, I, I want to get saved, but, but I need my money. Or, man, if I get saved, all my friends will make fun of me. I won't be able to have friends. I won't be able to have a good time with anybody. Because, uh, you know, don't you think the enemy's there telling you all that kind of stuff? Or uh, if I get saved, my spouse told me if I, if I keep going to that church and, and, and I become a fanatic, he's going to leave me. I, I can't get saved. They're not going to be there when you stand before the Lord one day. Faith moves you past the obstacles to the feet of Jesus. In short, it caused this man to move. We see this illustrated again for us in the healing of a woman with a flow of blood. It says in Mark 5, 25, there was a certain woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years and suffered many things through many physicians. She spent all she had and was no better but only grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him through the crowd, pressed through the crowd, and touched his garment. And she said, if I only touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And the disciples, it's not in there, but the disciples says, everybody's touching you. What are you talking about? And he said, no, somebody touched me, and virtue came out of me. Well, what did it? He finally found the woman, and he turns to her and he said, Daughter, it was your faith. Your faith made you whole. Because see, you can touch Jesus, be all around Jesus, and not experience his power. What releases his power? Faith. Daughter, be healed of your affliction. And finally, what we find, the last point, the lame man was miraculously healed. I won't read the text again because you already know it by now. But what we want to reinforce that the scripture passage reveals is that this man's miraculous healing took place because he believed. Jesus told another man who was asking for his son's deliverance, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. The lame man received because he and his friends acted in faith and positioned themselves to receive from the power that was present for everyone. It was not just present for him. It was present for all, and all who believed could have also received. We see this dynamic played out in another passage of Scripture. In Matthew 8, 13, Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And the Bible says his servant was healed that very hour. Faith believes God. And faith acts on what God has said. We've had not just the preaching of the word, but we've had the prophetic gift saying the Lord is present to heal. He's here. Why don't you come and receive from me? Ah, okay, I'll go up there. Nothing's going to happen, but I'm going to go get prayed for anyway. <laughs> we had a couple of words of knowledge. I believe the Lord gave me words of knowledge on the auditory canal, on neuropathy, and on the back. He said, oh, yeah, he, he gets that every week. People say that all the time. That's so generic. But to the one who believes... It's God is saying to me, just like he did to the blind man, they were calling out to Jesus, said, call him to me, a word of faith, a word of knowledge is like Jesus turning around and saying, I see you, I see your problem. 
What do you want me to do for you? Well, Lord, that's me. I want to be made well. That's why I'm here. And what did Jesus tell the blind man? Let it be done according to your faith. And they were made well that very hour. The presence of the Lord is here. It's in this place. It's moving. We've had the prophetic gifts tell us that. The Spirit of God is hovering. Is there anyone who will believe? It's okay if only one gets it. Now, only one got it in this crowd here. But it's not here just for the one. It's here for all of 